Welcome, friends, to An Overcoming Life. This is Bobby. And Frank over here. And we have a special guest with us today called, his name is rather Bill Harper. Bill, welcome to Thank you, Bobby. An Overcoming Life. Glad to be here. Um, Bill, I understand, is a very interesting fellow. This is the first time we've met him, but we know some other people that know him. And I got a hold of one of his business cards, and I really liked what it said, and I felt like God was leading me to have him on the program. So I hope you'll be blessed by today's program. Uh, Bill, let's just start out at, a little bit at the beginning. How long have you been a Christian? When did you come to the Lord? Oh, you know, that's a really good question. I'm not sure when it happened. I went back. Now, when I was a cadet at the academy in 1976, at the age of 18, I formally accepted Jesus. Uh, and when I hit my knees in recovery in 2005, that's when I really came to know him, when he really I opened the doors to my life and the healing began. But I often went back to a time under the stars when I was a little boy. I didn't have the gospel spoken in my home. My, my parents never taught me about Jesus. And when I was a little boy, uh, it was a, a hunting camp with all the family inside, a roaring fire in the winter times, very cold, and they're smoking and drinking, and I had to get outside. I walked out under the stars, and I was like a middle schooler or something, and I saw all these brilliant, bright stars. And somehow did I know that even with light years and all the physics of that, that God put those stars for me that night and he spoke to me and he said he knew me. I remember that he knew me. And this is a gift for you. He spoke directly to me. And I kind of packaged that up and went away like my own little boy. And I went back to him years later. I said, was it 1976 or was it 2005? He goes, no. I had you from way back then. <laughs> you know how the revelation came. So I think it was under the stars at the age of 10. That's really? Beautiful. You know, because then it says in Romans, God speaks his creation. If you don't know the son, creation sings of his glory. And exactly. I think that's what happened. Right. Exactly. Right. If more people would just stop and listen and just look around themselves, right. there's got to be a God. There is beauty. Oh, be. it's huge. Yeah, just, absolutely. That's absolutely. beautiful. Creation it's sings. It does. It's amazing. Well, <laughs> when did you start walking with him in a deeper walk? I mean, knowing about him and then starting to really be friends with him. at that point, didn't it, when you had that uh, deeper revelation? Well, it's come in stages, yeah. right? Yeah, and each that. stage involved crawling for a while on my knees, right? When you get to our <laughs> knees, it usually improves your walk. <laughs> uh, it's come in several stages, but um, uh, probably the biggest one in 2005 when my life was a wreck and, and, and I, was, I was in addiction and it wounded my family and I, I got into recovery and started working the 12 steps. And I read the book Wild at Heart by John Eldridge and I talked about I, Isaiah 61 restoration. And everything just came together and my eyes were open. That was probably the big revelation in 2005, which got me to the point where I am now. Um, and uh, it's just come in stages and I'm probably got another stage right around the corner. He's gonna reveal to me something else. Well, it just shows me that God, you know, is constantly working with us and working on us to, to reflect His image. Oh yeah. To the world. Oh yeah. And uh, 
just about the time you think maybe you've learned your lesson and that he's polished you up and you're going to be all right, you know, then another polishing time comes. Oh, I kind of call it a belt sander. He's got a belt sander coming at me again soon. Uh, Knock off those rough edges, yeah. An engraver. Oh, yeah. Well, I understand you're married. I am. 32 years. Wow. Congratulations. I'm a grandfather now. I've got two beautiful children, two girls. And, um, you know, recovery, talk about the work of God in, in our lives. Uh, last couple of years, Debbie looked back, and I and I and I destroyed so much. I made gave them so much pain, and, and all of my acting out. But the, uh, she said, Bill, it was all worth it. It was all worth it. Oh wow! Yeah. And I always ask God, why didn't you give me a son? You know, I have two daughters, two beautiful daughters. Okay. And God said to me, you know, it's one of these questions you ask over time you don't yeah. get an answer yeah. and then finally it comes he says i uh, you would have ruined him <laughs> but it was the girls who made me a better man because they were relentless in their pursuit and and, and i started letting them challenge me and, and letting them wow. uh correct me and not being angry and surrendering to their influence you know hmm Yes. Uh, do you think it's easy for someone to get uh, uh, in an addiction to something? You know, we all have false comforters, things we go. I'm addicted to a whole bunch of things. The question is, how much damage does it do to my life? We always turn to something, false comforters for, you know, uh, a drink or food or sex or, or whatever intoxicant. The question is, how much damage does it do? Yeah. And, and I'm trying to recognize those false comforters that I go to in my life. And when they actually take the place of feeling God or interfere with hearing his, his voice, with his nourishment, with his message to me. Those are the things that are so destructive. But we, we humans, man, we'll go, we'll go, give me anything that I like, and I'll try to do too much of it. I've learned balance. You're right. Balance in everything. It's it's that weak human nature Mm -hmm. that came about as a result of the fall back in the garden. Yeah. And that's what we struggle with day after day. It is. Well, who was it? Which one was it? Peter, Paul, one of the apostles said, I die daily. <laughs> exactly. I have to die daily. <laughs> exactly. To surrender daily. Thank God he doesn't give up on us. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He doesn't give mm-hmm. up on us. Um, but for the addictions that have brought people to their knees mm-hmm. and laid so much damage on families and relationships and health and employment and future and everything like that. Uh, that's where the 12 steps come in. When somebody cannot get free, they can't find help in the church. They open the Bible as much as they can, but it's not helping them yet. The 12 steps of recovery are where God is healing his people. Okay. It's like um, he's it's in these rooms of recovery that somebody comes in broken, lost, had been rejected by the church and therefore rejected all of that. And Jesus and everything is thrown out like the baby in the bathwater. But in the rooms of recovery, they say that we're going to love you until you learn to love yourself. 
Okay, because they accept you. They know what road you've been on and they, they, they listen to you and they counsel you and in-depth counsel you and pick you up uh, off and get the 2 a.m. phone calls and the, you know, all of that rough work that goes with rescuing yeah. somebody out of the depths yeah. of despair. So it's God's hands and feet working. It. And the gospel is happening everywhere. Uh, but in the rooms of recovery, it's especially sweet in this day and age. People are being wow. rescued, and at the end, they come out. There is no doubt who healed them. Wow. The Almighty God. Well, if somebody's going into a recovery program, uh, does it vary the amount of time that they're in there from person to person, or is there a set amount of time that usually, say, they're in the program six months or a year, and then they can sort of be on their own and... Well, we, we say uh, you're never recovered. You're always recovering. So my answer f is no, it's never really over. It's a way of life. Step 12 is we, uh, having had a spiritual awakening, we carried this message to others who still suffer and practice these principles in all our affairs. It is a wonderful way to live life. I wouldn't leave it. Um, so, no, I think once you enter the doors of recovery, once you've seen the healing that comes through the 12 steps, I don't think you'll ever leave it. It, was, it is woven into the way I think and believe and all my friends, not all of them, but a huge community of them. Do you have any testimonies of uh, no names, just general things, maybe someone that uh, you have worked with that you know, that's well, made a great recovery. I would make, I would start with my own, my own testimony. Um, when I was, uh, like I said, several times I've been on my knees during the years, but in 2005, I was crushed and broken. And uh, my family kicked me out of the house and I walked into the rooms of recovery really motivated. Uh, I was out of, uh, I, I was out, out of, of options. <laughs> I call it as a pilot. I was out of altitude, airspeed, and ideas. <laughs> and uh, then I got in touch with my wounds. I, I, I set some boundaries so I didn't didn't act out, and got in touch with my wounds through a whole examination of my life. Okay, journaled it out, and first it was like vomiting on paper, and then I got some clarity to it. And I saw the big uh, ugly things, but then we added in the 12 steps, you add the, the successes you did, the good things, you, your good qualities, as well as your wounds or your mistakes or your, your bad qualities. And the more I offered those up to Christ and brought him in for healing, the more his presence became known to me in really powerful ways. I mean, images of him that still stick with me today as, as, a, as a vision that has, has changed my life. There's markers of a changed life in there. And within a year or two, um, I was seeing all kinds of graces happen and a whole change of life. And then uh, my wounds, I was, as a young child, I lost my mother at the age of 15. Yeah. Right. Wow. She killed herself from her addiction. Oh, wow. It hastened her death. It wasn't intentional. It wasn't a suicide. Yeah. Um, I was 15. Then I went off into the Air Force, into the military, trying to find validation. And I did in a flight suit and silver wings and all that fighter pilot stuff, you know. 
And then my father died of Agent Orange uh, when I was 26. So, yeah. yeah. By the time I was 26, I had neither of my parents and all four of my parents. So I have an abandonment wound. Yeah. Yeah. In this journey of recovery, Jesus has basically gone into my heart with all that pain and given me open heart surgery and ripped out the pain and replaced it with himself. That's the best oh, way wow. I can tell you that. That's awesome, isn't it? And I never feel that abandonment uh, wound as with its all of its ragged clarity ever anymore. It's kind of like a distant memory because it's been replaced. Yeah, and you shouldn't feel it now because apparently you've had a real experience with the Father. Now you have a Father. Yeah. And, and you know you know who he is. Um, I have a question about the uh, getting started part. In uh, I don't know how much resistance you may have put up to it initially, but I imagine you've seen people that uh, first they're well, they're, well, they're still in denial. Yeah, you know, denial. I don't have a problem. I, you know, this isn't. How long does it take to fight through that? <laughs> oh, I told you I had to hit my knees several times before. The last time it hit well, wasn't me in there a first time somewhere along? No, it was not the first time. It wasn't the first time. Uh, no, there's, there's, I think we had one in '99, and I think one in in 2002. I'm not sure they didn't really stick uh, because I didn't stay in a program, work the steps, and the wound took over again. So you were you were resisting it, but what the wounds were too strong or too deep or too. I'd say that when the pain of the change oh, okay. becomes less than the pain of not changing, uh, okay. change will occur. Okay. And apparently the pain levels hadn't gotten, yeah. uh, hadn't yeah. tipped to the point there. Because the pain of the change is a real one, too. Yeah. You don't yeah. want to give up yeah. the things that, oh, yeah. that are your false comforters. Yeah, but, yeah. Well, um, you know, I just think it's wonderful. God has... Uh, He's not limited in the way that he can heal. Heal us physically and heal us emotionally. Uh, he can do it supernatural. He can do it through other people. But he made us and he is the Lord that healeth us. Whether it's physical or whether it's emotional. And he can take anything that turns to him. And he can make something beautiful out of it, right, Fred? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. We understand that. We went through some, especially <laughs> some emotional things in my past, and it was just so supernatural mm -hmm. the way God came in and did it. I wasn't fortunate enough to have a program like you was in. I didn't know anything about that. But God made God me brought us into a, a unique it. work, unique church work that that started back in the seventies here in in this town. Well, it it's um, the people that run this business, own this company and all, uh, Mike and Donna Floyd. Uh, Lord impressed on them to start this church. It was, they called it High Point. And they met in the building right up there on North Monroe. But it was so unique. It was so unique. And Mike uh, really desired to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I came into that work and I had just come out of a divorce. And I was emotionally wounded. It really cut me deep because as mm. far as I was concerned, the marriage was to last for the rest of our lives. Right. And she just up and divorced me and was having right. an affair and I didn't know about it. And it was a deep mm. emotional cut. Yeah. Later on, uh, Lord led her in there and she had come out of similar situations. Uh, 
broken relationships. But in the process, God began to, to heal and heal those wounds. You know, there's a short, real short line in the 23rd Psalm that <laughs> really should be brought out, but he restoreth my soul. And that's where all those wounds are laid. Yeah, we say, you know, we, say in the, soul. we say in recovery that God never wastes a hurt. <laughs> it's in those tears. Yeah. It's in those tears yeah. that he comes in. My... Um, I'm very fond of a verse in Ezekiel says, I will behold, I will, I will give you a new heart. I will mm. remove your heart of stone and put a new spirit within you. Yeah. Remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That open heart surgery yeah. for me had to be done without anesthesia. <laughs> it had to hurt, right? Yeah. That was the point, and that's okay. But he came into that, that place and began the healing. Yes. And now yes. you have the opportunity to help others. Yes. To get that. Bring others along. What a joy. Yeah. Bring others along. Yeah. 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 They say in the rooms of recovery, we cannot keep what we have mm -hmm. unless we give it away. Ah. Okay. Yeah, and that's and that's the the bedrock of the the final step, the twelve steps, is that we continue to be of service to others. We cannot keep what we have unless we give it away, and it is working with others in the program, which is the yeah. fellowship and the yeah. giving, yeah. which is uh, necessary. How does people come about to do, uh, to into this program? I mean, find recovery, uh, Google Alcoholics Anonymous. Or a twelve-step group, mm -hmm. or celebrate recovery, which mm -hmm. is a Christian-based twelve-step uh, group. It's all based on the twelve steps. Uh -huh. um, any good? I recommend a good good counselor, a Christian counselor. They can direct you to the rooms. Okay. But there are, should I say, meetings or nodes of all of these communities within the twelve steps rooms, and try several. You know, some may resonate well, some may not. Um, your problem may be with alcohol. Your problem may be with dependency it may be with drugs it may be with sex and there's there's groups for all of those the, yeah focus more but yeah yeah go in the rooms and pay attention and open up and make some phone calls hmm. but if you it's just good. google alcoholics anonymous or 12-step meetings near me show up hmm. Hmm. that's good yeah. that's good yeah Frank you have any questions you want to ask him oh not at this point um have you ever had anyone that uh, you haven't seen them make some steps towards recovery? Oh, yeah. Some That's don't the make sad it. part, isn't it? Some don't make it. Some go out, and then they come back. Some go out and don't come back. Rarely does anybody make it on the first try. I didn't. Okay. Um, but the joy... I'll tell you about my church, Celebrate Recovery. It is the coolest church I've ever known. And, and we, we, the 12 steps are central, but also we make no mistake that Jesus, God, Trinity, is all the source of it all, Scripture-based and all the Scripture. But we teach the 12 steps. We analyze and work through the 12 steps, and they're all the gospel, man, of healing. Um, and it's the coolest church because these people are honest and they're surrendered. Okay. I've known them for 15 years. We oh, have wow, taken yeah. a journey together. You talk about That's being good. tight. That's good. Like I've that. seen them grow. They've seen me grow. They know all my secrets. <laughs> they know virtually a, a handful know everything about me. Right? And... You know, the, the, to be fully known and also fully loved is the mm. greatest gift in the world, 
right? Wow. Yeah. Our biggest fear is to be fully known and then be unloved because they know what we're about. Most of us operate in the unknown and loved, and that's just a facade, right? To be fully known and fully loved is the gift of this wonderful church. And the same is true in the rooms of uh, 12-step Alcoholics Anonymous. But I love CR because it's a big family and uh, the gospel is preached relentlessly, I would say. (laughs) Uh, What are the 12 steps? Oh, now you put me on the point. Step one, we came to believe or... uh, (laughs) Step one, that... uh, with that we came to believe we're powerless over alcohol or our drug of choice that our lives had become unmanageable. Mm. Step two, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Mm-hmm. Step three, we made a conscious decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. You don't have to understand Him fully, just believe that He can. Right. Step four, uh, we made a searches, fearless and searching moral inventory. Step five, we shared this inventory with God, ourselves, and someone we trust, another human being. Step six, we became ready for God to remove all these de- defects of character. Character. Step seven, we humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Step eight, we made a list of all we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Step nine, we made amends to such people unless to do so would injure them or others. Mm-hmm. You made direct amends, but in certain cases you wouldn't want to right. go there. Right. Step 10, we continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. These are the steps you kind of live in all the time now. Step 11, um, we continued our conscious contact with God, praying only for the knowledge of His will and the power to carry that out. And step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we carried this message to others who still suffer and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. I'm going through a litany, we often say. You put me on the spot, Bobby, by making me recite the 12 steps. That's, that, that's great. Now, you, you, you said them all in one minute or, or less. But it, when you're walking it out, it doesn't happen that quick, does it? Years. You, you, it's continuous. Can, yeah. yeah. I mean, you might spend so many months on one step and maybe a few weeks on another step. Yeah, so basically but, yeah. anything under six months and you haven't done it thoroughly, uh-huh. a year is not surprising. Okay. And you'll go back and revisit a step four. You'll make another inventory or you'll go uh-huh. make another amend in steps, nine, you know, eight and nine. Well, now, yeah, if there, if there are deep wounds there, sometimes it's like peeling an onion. Yes. You got to do <laughs> exactly. a time here and not... Yeah. The tears, too. Yeah. Uh, I uh, imagine this is awful hard on marriage. And I imagine there's a lot of marriages that don't make it through. Uh, Your wife has been with you, right, throughout this? 32 years. That's that's such a blessing. Within the last few years, I think about two years ago, she said, Bill, it was all worth it. So you can have compassion on those that are going through it. Yes. And that are having marital problems because of them going through it. Yeah. A lot of of women wouldn't 
go through it like your wife. I imagine has went through it. Not that it's been easy for her. Of course it hasn't. No. But uh, I commend her for uh, keeping her eyes on God and sticking... Well, that's the only way she could do it. Right. Yeah. She had to put her eyes on God. I love in the book Love and War by John Eldridge, he gives this advice to couples that are it, 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 either just starting a marriage okay. or at the end of their marriage or in crisis. Number one, find life in God. Okay, that does not mean go through all the religious square filling and go attend chair, you know, all that. Although those are symptoms of finding life in God. Find life in God, which I probably really got in 2005. Number two, deal with your own brokenness. That's right out of recovery. And then number three is learn to deal with the spiritual warfare attacks that come between you. So we both have to find life in God. Both partners have to individually get their life with God and then deal with their own brokenness. And that's that's the recipe. Did she ever attend any meetings with you? Oh, yeah. She, she's got her own program, too. Oh, oh yeah. That's great. Okay. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Uh, before we run out of time, uh, do you have anything special that you would like to share with the well, viewers about, about this? Your podcast, well, I have there. a podcast on board. Oh, yeah, uh, it's yeah. called uh, Bill Harper, A Man in Search of My Heart. And I might just go ahead and end up with that public statement that you okay. saw first. Okay. Sure. Uh, right. As a patriot, I'm a 28-year Air Force veteran. I am concerned about where this country is going. Uh, I got a little rattled, and then God had a word to me. He said, eyes on me, eyes on me. Don't worry about this plane. Keep your eyes on me. But that's still, we still have to operate and love and, and, and engage on this level. So okay. I've heard from God that in this crazy time, we need to connect with our neighbors. Yes. We need to talk to people because we've been so isolated and segregated, exactly. Exactly. not to mention our phones and stuff. So I came up with a public statement, and it goes like this. Look, neighbor, I don't care if you're red or blue, Democrat, Republican, black, white, brown, yellow, red, could be garnet and gold. Doesn't matter what color you are. You're my neighbor because we're Americans. Amen. And as neighbors, we ought to treat each other with kindness and compassion. Exactly. We ought to speak and act with integrity and wisdom. And we ought to practice service and love. And that's just for starters. Look here, my higher power. My Savior does not live in Washington, D.C., and certainly not at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. But the way we treat our neighbors is a big deal to him, too. Yes. So remember, we always have permission to love another person. We're actually, we're called to. Exactly. And you know, after 9-11, this country came together, didn't it? Because we realized we're under attack. Well, here's my point. We're under attack again. They're trying to divide us. So neighbor, let us not do that. Let us practice kindness and compassion, speak and act with integrity, wisdom, service, and love. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> okay. And a few seconds is left. Uh, can people contact you? if they're interested in more about this program or can you tell yes, them? Yes, the website uh, is uh, Wave94.1 and uh, you can catch my podcast on Apple Podcasts and uh, I have a an email billharper3 at comcast.net Okay. That's the number three. Bill yeah. Harper, number three at Comcast.net. Right. Okay, well. Thank you, Bill, for being with us today. It was a real honor. Thank you, Bobby. It's been a pleasure. pleasure. Thank you, Frank. Enjoy this is Bobby. This is Frank. And I'm and Bill Harper, Bill. man, in search of my heart. God loves you. Yes, I'm talking to you, and so do we. <laughs> See you next week.